Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, the Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, the Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, the Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way, the newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Catherine. Thank you, Susan. Good evening. How are you doing today? Great. Great. Good. I got my feet in the mud for the first time since October. 
Yay, mud! Okay. (laughs) Yes, we had a warm and beautiful sunny day here, too. Blue skies, nothing but blue skies. (laughs) Yay! That's right. We had a wonderful work end. We got so much done. And uh, got compost on the gardens and built a new compost pile. And just, oh, we had a great time. I made nettle lasagna with goat cheese, of course. Everybody really tore into that. And uh, a weekend of classes in Moon Lodge coming up this weekend. So there's plenty of space here. It's easy to be six feet apart from anybody else. We don't hold hands when we sing anymore. It's all great. And lots of things to see and do as spring continues to spring forth. This evening at at 9 o'clock East Coast time, or in about an hour and a half from now, I'm going to be interviewing apprentice Emily Amara. And Emily Amara is, in addition to being an herbalist, an esthetician. You may wonder what an esthetician is. She will tell you. And um, she is going to make a spa in a forest this summer at an all-women's gathering called the Origins Gathering. Hmm. Her, her, mm. her wild and rooted, and she resides with her wild child in L.A. So we will hear lots more from Emily Amara, um, including when and why she became an esthetician. Stay tuned for that. I'll come back. Whatever works for you. Uh, so the mud. Are there any plants pushing up? I saw the cults foot blooming today. There are. Yes. Aha. Are. It comes on so fast, Susan. And I, I'm always a little nervous going on the show, which means it's good. I have a conscience. And I think, well, I'm looking forward to telling you when I see a dandelion. I'm not there yet. Yes. Maybe next week. Yes, I was noticing today the dandelions <laughs> blooming in a big patch of nettles, and it was such a lovely combination. Yes, it is. Oh, gosh, right? So it's not it. quite dandelion time up in Alaska yet. Maybe next week. I don't know. It goes so fast. It's amazing. It does. You go from zero to 60, and I thought, well, I could fuss about this, or I could go with the flow. So we're very busy, and there you go. <laughs> That's why it's the temperate region, because the temperature swings are huge. Yeah. Yeah. Get you on your feet. Mother Nature says on you your got feet. amount yes. of time. <laughs> yep. You got amount of time. What are, what are you getting done? Because you're really mm. aware of what you are not getting done, the way the seasons present themselves up here. Yeah. And yeah. in our continuing... Um, Teleseminar series with uh, people knowledge helping us to weather the COVID-19 times. We were going to talk to with Linda Conroy this Thursday, but I realized I had a previous engagement on Thursday. So we have switched that off to, I believe, next Monday. So anybody who is planning on being there for the teleseminar Thursday at 9 o'clock, I am going to be elsewhere. I am so sorry. We could not figure out a way for me to be in two places at once. So we moved right, Linda. Right. We'll it just seems to work someday, better. But for now. Yes, yeah, someday. I don't know. I've never learned how to be in two places at once. 
I'll let you know if I hear any news about it. So far, okay, I, I don't have much to <laughs> I keep petitioning for a 26-hour <laughs> day as well, but they say I'd have to accept a six-day <laughs> week, and it doesn't seem worth it. <laughs> Linda's wonderful. She has some special offerings with the class. Uh, Justine has composed some beautiful information about that, and I'll be sure to share about uh, Linda because she has a class associated with this teleseminar coming up. And yes. this does give people an opportunity to know about it and join in. I'm I'm taking that class, and I'm All really right. looking forward to it. Yeah, just a little behind the scenes. We used to have the Wise Woman University, and the Wise Woman University came into existence because someone asked me to teach at their online university and offered me a third oh. fake. And Justine said, but 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 a third? What? That's not good enough. So she set up a whole university, got 30 teachers, and set up the Wise Woman University, which has been chugging along. But the server that keeps it on the Internet is run by a private person who has decided not to do it anymore. So the Wise Woman University was closed. But what we're doing is we're going to the teachers who were at the Wise Woman University and asking them if they want to come over to the Wise Woman School. Up till now, the only offerings at the Wise Women's School have been my stuff. But as people are saying yes, so Doug Gunther was the first one to say yes, and he does a course on dreams, and he has agreed to give that course away for free for the first month, I believe, that it's up at the Wise Women's School. And I believe that Linda has done the same thing, that for the first month, her course is free. So if you're interested Great. in yeah, checking out these teachers, they are being very generous um, in these trying times so that um, everyone can – well, for me, what can I say? It has always been one of the guiding lights of the wise woman tradition, that the wise woman tradition shares knowledge as freely as possible. It's not to say there's anything wrong with charging. I certainly charge for many of my things. Just like everybody, I have to pay my internet connection and the electricity and property taxes and so on. But in addition, um, we always love it when we can give things away, good, solid information. And it's really important to us that the information passes freely. That was one of the things that really put me off on the heroic tradition of herbalism is that there always seemed to be secrets. The teachers were always keeping secrets, and they'd say, well, I make this remedy, and it has this, this, and this, and then the secret ingredient, which I'm not telling you about. And I saw that the goal was not to share information. The goal was to teach. As a matter of fact, this came really, really, you know, right up in my face many years ago after an herbal conference, and I was sitting at dinner with a great many herbalists, and in the part of the table where I was sitting were a great many male herbalists. And they were talking about licensing herbalists. And I said, we don't need licenses. It doesn't do us any good. And one of them said, well, it would do me a lot of good. And I said, well, why is that? And he said, because I could charge a lot more for my information if there was a license in the offing. And one after another, every male herbalist at that table said, that's exactly what I'm thinking, that we can really charge Whoa. a lot get licensure, and you can bet that that certainly, you know, I was, has, was always against it, but that really put a fire 
under my butt. And I really want to thank Aziva Rahm, <laughs> served as the president of the American Herbal Guild for years and years and years to prevent licensure from coming on, and Rosemary Gladstar. So the three of us with our no licenses, no licenses for herbalists have held the day. And we can compare that to a place like Australia where herbalists are now licensed or Germany where herbalists are now licensed, and that means no access. Right. It's no longer people's medicine. And you know that's my real, real shtick. My real goal is to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. A magazine asked me to write an article about herbs that could be used to help prevent or to deal with the current crisis in COVID-19 that's going on, and I did that for them. And then this morning, I got a message from them, and they said, well, thank you. We really appreciate you doing the article, but we have decided that um, it's too risky to publish. Oh, boy. So if you could write another article we, and have it to us by Thursday morning, we would be happy to publish that instead. And I thought that was very interesting because, you know, way back in January, Justine and I did the first live YouTube on what to do to help protect yourself. And quite a few people, I don't know, quite a few, maybe 1% of the people who responded to that said, um, they're going to take you down. They're not, they're not letting this be on YouTube. There, there's no way they're going to let this information go. And yet that, that YouTube is still there. That's January, February, right. March, yeah, April, four months later, it's still there. Right? I have a whole free course. Nobody has said, you can't do this. So I think it's just a rumor. Right. And, I mean, hello, freedom of speech. Yes. I think I have the right to say these herbs have been used for 300 years. To help people deal with Correct. coronaviruses, I think that that's within my realm of free speech there. And the the magazine said, we, we are afraid to publish this article because what if someone thinks that they don't need treatment and so they don't go to the hospital and die? This opens up a whole discussion that medical professionals have with, with who's responsible. And then if we're choosing to say those folks aren't responsible, we're basically saying they're not functioning adults. And, and right. that's what we want to say. Interesting idea. Yeah. I guess yeah. just to throw that out there. Some physicians I know working with pregnant ladies say, are you, are, you, are you trying to tell me that you're implying I should assume that my client is not a functioning adult? Exactly. Right. Idea. You know, I, mm-hmm. you know you're going to infantilize them? Well, yes. Unfortunately, there is a lot of that. That the the and I have heard doctors unfortunately say to people, I don't want your questions. Just do what I say. And I think, wow, <laughs> wow, <laughs> you don't want to deal with functioning adults, do you? Right. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just I, want I, them I, to I find that there are some folks who don't believe in functioning adults, but. I, ah, that's a whole other topic, probably. Whole other topic. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do, we do, and we like. We do. We and that it. doesn't mean that you can't be upset or having a bad day or needy. That's also sure. part of being a functioning adult. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was talking to a friend of mine. I was saying, "Oh, I was having a little pity party," and she asked me to describe what was going on. Da da da. And she said, "And how old did you feel?" I said, "About two years old." She said, "That's not a pity party. That's how a two-year-old feels. A two-year-old cries their heart out, 
And so do it. Let that two-year-old you cry. It's really okay. You're not losing anything. And I thought, oh, thank you for being my friend. Wow. Yeah, like to have that understanding of our inner child, you know, yes. rather than, oh, you're a two-year-old, be the good too. Totally yes. different way to address ourselves. And our exactly. friends, if we notice, they may be in a two. Like, oh, they're, they're, that's their two-year-old self. Yeah, yeah like that—that's interesting, Susan. Thank you for that. Gosh. Yes, it and gives of course, me more recognition she knows that own. I'm not going to like go there and stay there and be two years old forever. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 Otherwise, she might have had a different answer. So she does. You know, that that sure. she can help me um, give myself um, yeah. that that okay that that place to travel through. Go. Yeah. Well, do we have any people with any questions tonight? We do. We do. If you have a question for Susan, please press one. I always like it when there's no questions. I always think, ah, all is right with the world. Nothing to worry about. I think I've just been unmuted. Hello. How are you tonight? Oh, oh, this must be me. Okay, Susan, I'm so glad um, um, that you that you took my call. I thought my phone died there for a minute because it does that sometimes. Yes. Okay. Um, I I right now I don't have access to um, any of my books or um, or a computer, and I was out in my yard today. I live in a climate I, I know that we're behind yours, but I just have some dandelions that have peaked out and um I was able to pick up pick up a handful today and a handful yesterday. They're just coming out. Um um and I w- would like it very much if you could tell me um it's not like I have a whole lot of them but when as they come up um they're very small and the leaves are very small um and they don't get very big. Um I don't you know the soil must not be that great. Um, I mean, the leaves don't get big, as I know some people's do. But could you please share with me um, what you would do with the with the um, picking the dandelion um, blossoms and the leaves um, at this early season? What would you do with them? Well, I probably would not pick dandelion leaves at this point unless I had some urgent need. Okay. There's no advantage to doing it. It slows down the growth of the plant overall, so it's not particularly kind to the plant. Um, As you say, they're small, so you don't get much for your effort, so there's not a lot of reason for you to do it. Right. Um, If there is some incredibly urgent reason to be picking the dandelion depending on how much I had and what my need was. Mm -hmm. Um, I could make anything I wanted. In fact, I often say that dandelion is the world's most generous plant. Any part of the dandelion picked at any time and prepared in any way makes good medicine. Last year, after the first frost, I picked dandelion root. I went out with my spading fork, 
to my organic CSA, and I walked among their fields looking for dandelion. And there were big dandelions there, some of them oh. with some of them with leaves eight, ten, twelve inches from oh, tip wow. side. And I dug those dandelion roots, and the farmer was so happy. I was digging the dandelion roots out of the row crops, and I had enough dandelion root. I kept the roots and the leaves together because the sap of the root is very medicinal. If you cut them apart, you start to lose that sap. So I harvested them and held them intact, brought them home, soaked the roots for a little while in cold water, used my fingers to get the dirt off of them, and then started cutting them up. And putting those roots in jars, I wanted dandelion root tincture for a variety of reasons. So that's primarily what I made. But we also made a little jar of dandelion root vinegar. And, of course, then we had all the leaves. And we took those leaves and we rinsed those in cold water. And we made a variety of different things with those leaves. One of my favorite things is dandelion italiano, which is a recipe that's in the childbearing yearbook. Briefly, what you do is you um, cook the dandelion leaves three times in boiling water, pouring the boiling water off after the first five minutes and then after the second five minutes and then the third time cooking them till they're tender. And then drain that and mix it with tamari and olive oil and freshly chopped garlic and let it marinate in the refrigerator overnight. That dandelion italiano is just a wonderful aperitif to get the digestive system going and the liver going, and it keeps very well in the refrigerator, oh, usually for a week, sometimes even for longer. And you would take that before you start eating? Yes. Some of that? Like a, really a little bit? You eat it. It's food. It's delicious. It's, I not, mean, a, it's not a but, pill. We no, take, no, no. I mean, you would, you would. What I mean is, you would take some out of the jar, and you well, would. Well, I, I actually put it in a flat container. I don't put it in a jar because it's dandelion oh. italiano. It's a cooked green. Would you? I like. I wouldn't store kale in a jar. I would store store it in a flat container. Oh, I see. So you would just use that as one of your vegetables in your yes. stuff in your meal. So you could eat as much of it as you wanted. Yes. Yes, yes, it's yes. food. Um, Dandelion is food. Peter Gale um, was interested in edible plants, and he was interviewing people, and he noticed uh, pretty soon that the vast majority of people who were telling him about edible plants were telling him about um, dandelion. Okay. He thought, how interesting that this seems to be the thing. So he started having a dandelion cook-off in Ohio. Peter Gale is no longer with us, but I talked to his daughter um, this about a year ago, and she is carrying on his work with Dandy Blend. Um, so he had this dandelion cook-off. They created a dandelion coffee substitute, and he published books with dandelion recipes, and you can probably still find them. The world cool. of people love dandelion, and they use it in a huge variety of ways. Okay, well, I have to figure out then. I have I don't have any farmers around me, but I need to get them into um, a good <laughs> good soil and not pick the leaves in the early spring. Now, is it okay to pick the blossoms in the early spring? Uh, well, you can only pick blossoms when they're blossoming, now, can't you? Yes. So I am picking the blossoms. The blossom. Now. I'll come back and pick you later. Excuse me. 
You what cannot you say? say to a blossom, I will come back and pick you later, because when oh, it's no. it won't no, be. If you, pick, if you pick the blossoms. So you are always limited to picking the blossoms when there are blossoms. You don't get a choice. Yes, but when you pick them, doesn't that make them produce more? Doesn't that make the plant produce more blossoms? In other words, I'm not harming the plant by picking You are not in any way harming the plant. You might be harming the children of the plant. In other words, for every flower we pick, that flower can't make seeds and it can't make new plants. But my understanding is, though, if they, we allow them to go to seed, then they're not going to be making more blossoms anyway. I mean, I would allow some of them I think to go you have dandelion seed. confused with uh, annuals in your garden bed. Okay. Can you Plants can be annual, biennial, or perennial. Annuals want to do one thing. They want the seed to sprout. They want it to grow up, have a flower, have seeds, and then they want the whole plant to die. And a dandelion is an annual. No, a dandelion's a perennial. A dandelion is a perennial. Of course it is. Not it an is. annual. It grows in the same place year after year after year after year. And so it's not so dependent on making seeds every year as the annual is, nor is it going to die after it makes flowers and seeds, nor will picking the flowers make more flowers. Those are only true of annuals. Yes, I hear you now. I hear you. Um, but, yes, and thank you for telling me that picking the young leaves it would would be is damaging to the plant. So that's good to know, and I should hold off um, and make... A medicine in the fall is a better thing to do with the young leaves. Did I hear you correctly? Well, the the leaves are no longer young in the fall now, are they? Uh, No, like you said, they were attached to your roots. I I want the bigger leaves because I'm a lazy herbalist, and I want (laughs) the most I can get for my effort. It's kind of tedious going out and harvesting plants. And if you're going and picking tiny little two-inch leaves, then you're going to put an awful lot of effort for not much coming back. You're not kidding. You're not kidding. Now, I do have a question because you said in the, fall, in the fall, after the first frost, you did um, pay, um, harvest, dig up the roots and with the leaves attached, and you said you made a tincture. You soaked the leaves and then you made roots. I thought you're supposed to make tincture. No, you can make tinctures out of fresh, fresh plant material. I just had a brain. The best tinctures are made from fresh plant material. Yes, of course they are because you use the dried ones for your um, for your um, nourishing um, infusions. Infusions, correct. Okay. Now, um, so an alcohol is good and in vinegar is good to use the fresh plant material to make the vinegars, which exactly. um, I didn't know what to do with them because, like I said, I didn't have... So you can make I just, flour vinegar. You can make flour tincture. You can make flour oil. In my book, there's a recipe for dandelion flour fritters. Again, there are thousands of recipes for using dandelion. I thought that it was... Um, uh, could could you help me here? I thought it was b- dangerous to put like fresh garlic or any fresh plant material into oil because it can get moldy. Now, am I mixed up? Yes. Okay. So it's okay to put fresh dandelion blossoms into oil or any fresh plant material into oil? I only make oils with fresh plant material. Oh, okay. Okay. And even raw garlic? That said, I do not usually 
use those oils as foodstuffs. They usually use them as ointments. Oh, okay. Now, if you take garlic and put it in oil and put it next to a hot stove, you're going to make a mess. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. Why would I? Then why would you take moldy garlic and put it in oil? No, I, I'm. Well, oil is a preservative. It prevents mold from growing. So, how is your garlic going to get moldy? I don't know. I just read that. I just that. asked you if you were going to put moldy garlic in your oil. That's how it gets moldy. Or if you were going to put it right next to a heat source, and that's how it gets moldy. No, so you do I, know. I used to put fresh garlic cloves. I would peel the cloves, put the put the fresh garlic cloves. They were excellent condition into oil and keep it in the refrigerator. Sounds perfectly fine to me. You can go to any supermarket in the U.S. and buy chopped garlic in oil. And I don't like the taste of that for some reason. I'm I don't not know saying why. it's good. It's- I'm simply saying it can't be lethal if it's allowed to be sold. That is true. Okay, so that that is, that is um, something false that led me astray there because I... B- shied away from doing that um and i i will be watching some of your um youtube i know you have a lot of youtube um videos that i will be watching again once i get my computer back but um yeah so i hesitated putting the these blossoms into oil because i thought oh no i think i remember that that's not wise but you say these dandelion blossoms i can put in oil fresh Yes, you can put them in oil fresh. And any plant material you said I could put in oil fresh, as long as I don't heat it. And I keep them in the refrigerator. Um, Let me think. Oh, no, I've kept some at room temperature that I've done before, because I remember last year picking violets and some dandelions, and I put some up in vinegar. I put some in honey. um, And I put... And I, I think I tried some in oil, and, and I actually um, haven't checked it yet. But you say they should be fine. Yes. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Well, thank you. That was uh, you gave me some good ideas. Uh, I've known about the digging the roots, but frankly, around where I live, I haven't had enough big dandelions to harvest the roots. Um, in the fall, I've always wanted to do that. Um, so um, I think I have to just build up an area with some, build up some soil and plant some dandelion seeds or some young plants and let them go to seed. Is, would that be the best way to do it, Susan? Because I, dan- I want lots of dandelions, and I want them to grow big so I can harvest them. Because it's good food. And the dandelions that you're harvesting that you say are small, where are they? They're just growing up in um, any way. They're not in a garden. They're like all over the um, the lawn, which is not a lawn. It's just mm-hmm. a wild meadow. We, ha- we um, So you've been there in September and October to tell me yes. that dandelions are still very small then? Yes. And I don't, yeah. Yes, okay. I don't understand why. And what's supposed state to be weeds, and they're supposed to dig down deep, and they're supposed to. What, <laughs> not supposed to... what state do you live in? I'm sorry, what? What, what state? state do you live I'm in? I'm in New Hampshire. 
Okay, well, that should be cold enough. The further south you get, the smaller the dandelion gets because it's not happy. So it's entirely up to you. I will tell you that 30 years ago, somebody, as a joke, sent me a fake ad that she had made selling weed seeds, dandelion seeds and burdock seeds and lamb's quarter seeds. But now it's come to pass that people are actually buying these things. There's certainly no reason why you can't buy dandelion seeds and plant them in a garden if that's what you want to do. I did a little experiment one year with my daughter. We went to Mm -hmm. a health food store and we bought gobo root, which is cultivated burdock. Yes. And we went to a area by my compost piles where the soil is quite rich, and we dug burdock root there. And then we went out beside the road where the soil was very hard and very poor, and it was quite hard to dig the burdock root, and it was quite small. And we made both a tincture and a vinegar from each of those three different burdocks, the cultivated, the by the compost pile in rich soil, and the out-on-the-road really poor soil. And from all the things that we could judge, how it looked, how it tasted, how it worked, the ones from the edge of the road worked far better than the others. And those I can't even dig up. I've had found so many burdock roots throughout my yard. And, of course, a lot of the soil is just crappy soil, but some of them was in a, a little bit better soil. But I could not ever. I've been trying to dig up a burdock root for years, and I can't. I haven't, I haven't succeeded yet. I don't know what it is. Not even any of it? Dig them up. Excuse me? What Not even any of it? No. I mean, so you, so I, I was trying to dig up the whole root. You mean I, if I, I should only be satisfied with a, a little piece of it if I can't go down any deeper? Of course. Ah. Uh, I always just gave up because I, I could hardly I could hardly a mean get thing to do. Very far. What was that? What a mean thing to do. To leave it? Yes. No, I, I put the soil back and and put all the right, soil like back around it. it okay? I didn't just leave it with it. You t- totally disturbed that plant. So what are you saying I should have done? Like if somebody comes to you and says, "I need your help. I need your help. I need your help right now. Get ready. Get ready. I need your help." Oh, forget it. No, because I couldn't, I couldn't dig it out. What would you feel? What was that? How would you feel if that was done to you? Well, of course, I understand. But I thought I was being good by putting the soil back. You are putting out, I want your help, and digging that root. And then you say, forget it, that the plant feels just like you would feel if that happened to you. Uh, Forget it, you're too much trouble. I don't want your help. I mean, I tried and tried, and I was so disappointed that I couldn't get it. And I said, well, I guess you I, – I really talked to it, and I said, I guess you don't want me to harvest you. Because but you I already have. I see. So the best thing for me to do if I You already have. Somebody has already come into your house and yelled, I need help, I need help, I need help. Get ready, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the end they say, ah, oh, you're just too much trouble. Forget it. Well, that wasn't my attitude was. I felt badly that I couldn't. I'm saying that's what the plant feels. Yes. But but I think I heard Your you attitude say, was, I need your help, I need your help, I need your help. I'm inadequate, so I can't do it. That was your attitude, so I'll take care of you since I asked for your help, but I can't get it? It's really not. It's kind of a pretty story you're telling yourself. 
I have a severe back issue, spinal issue. I can't. Not asking you to do anything other than what you can do. Right. But did you say, Susan, that it was... that whatever you dug, that's as far as you go, and you say, I am taking this part of the route. That's the best. That That's what I thought I heard you say. So just cut, slice it off there. Yes, that's far, far better than disturbing it and agitating it and then saying, forget it. Oh, but I, that wasn't what I was feeling, forget it. I was like, I was disappointed. But I hear you, what you're saying well, is the better. Well, it is what you were feeling is forget it. Did you harvest it? I didn't know it was better to cut it off. Then you said forget it. It's okay. You can admit to it. It's not the end of the world. No, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and um, so now I know if I can't harvest it, just cut it off and then... The plant life the is rarely in the perfect. Ground, it, it will. It it's will. rarely perfect. You have to be willing, especially when you're in nature, to accept what you are given and not say, "Well, I guess this isn't good enough." So, are you saying that that root that's left in the ground will continue to grow and live and thrive? I don't know. Little- Burdock is not a perennial. So when you harvest them by the road, when it's really, really hard and you can barely dig it up, where the road is, where it's very compacted, I you use never... Spading, I use a spading fork, and I dig down, and then I use a small hand tool to move the earth away, and then I use a spading fork to dig down, and I use a small hand tool, and I focus in, and I go down as far as I can. I live on a property that was a quarry. I have two kinds of soil on my property, broken rock and solid rock. Okay. So So whenever we are digging a root, we are sitting there. One should Mm -hmm. never be bending over when digging a root. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. When I'm using my spading fork, I'm standing up, but I'm standing up straight. Again, I'm not bending over. Mm-hmm. Sit down and use the hand tools. Mm-hmm. So there should be no strain on one's back at all. Anyhow, I have talked to you for quite a long time, and Thank I'm going to say you. green blessings. Good night. Call back again if you want. Green blessings to you. Thank you so much. Good night. Next caller is 917. Is that me? You don't know your phone number? I do know my phone number. I didn't know where it was in the queue. Is your phone number start with 917? It does. Then that must be you. Hi. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm pretty good. How about you? I am well. I'm just calling because there is Colt's foot growing right outside of where I'm staying right now. Uh Uh-huh. And um, I was wondering, there's not that much of it that I can see, but I was wondering what you do with cold foot if you use it at all? Tusa lago, far, fara. Tusa means to cough. Farfara means to go far away. Tusa lago, farfara, the plant that makes coughs go far away. Yes. People sometimes get a little agitated and upset because I am a big proponent of comfrey. And yes. comfrey root rarely the leaves, contains an alkaloid called pyrolizodine. 
and pyrolizodine can be difficult for the liver to process. So it can actually kind of cause a, a slowdown to the liver, which can, um, if your liver is not in a good state, can actually damage your liver. Right. And this is one of the reasons that people are, again, comfrey, because they're concerned about this. I've certainly never seen it happen with the comfrey leaf. And United Plant Savers had comfrey leaf tested um, to see if it actually contained uh, pyrolyzodine, and it doesn't. And we tested samples from the West Coast, the East Coast, and the Rocky Mountain states, and the amount of pyrolyzodine was less than one part per trillion, so right. very, very little of it. Uh, but Coltsfoot is loaded with it. I remember one of the first times I was in Germany, and the headline in the newspaper was Hufletik uh, Teufelkraut. Hufletik Coltsfoot, right, literally, is Teufelkraut, the devil's weed. And all Coltsfoot preparations were being taken off the shelves in Germany because a child had taken a Coltsfoot remedy and died from it. Um, it turned out that there was no Coltsfoot of any kind in the remedy that the child had taken, but nonetheless, Coltsfoot was still blamed. Traditionally, only the Coltsfoot flowers have been used, although when I was a young forager, I did eat a fair amount of Coltsfoot leaves. They are quite edible, but once I started to understand about pyrolyzodine, I decided it was probably not such a good idea and stopped doing it. And um, the flowers look just like dandelion flowers. Many people, when they see coltsfoot blooming, assume it's dandelion because of that bright yellow with all those rays coming out. But if you look a little more closely, you'll see that the coltsfoot has scales on the leaves. So a traditional um, anti-cough remedy from the coltsfoot is the fresh flowers put up in honey. Okay. Thank you. And okay, so you're saying that you, <laughs> would you use coltsfoot and honey? The flowers. The, yes, coltsfoot flower and honey. If I if I needed to remedy a cough, it is yes. a remedy that works in that situation. Okay. Okay, thank you so much, Susan. You are welcome. Okay, have a great night. You too. Green blessings. Green blessings. Next caller is 813. 813? Okay. Well, you might have muted your own device. Hello? Hi. There. Hi. Green blessing, Susan. And Green blessing. Uh, what are your thoughts on a plant that I recently come across on my walks, and I'm just curious, and there's not a lot of research on the Internet? It's the scientific name, and forgive my ignorance, it's Bletchum pyramidatum and also known as the green shrimp plant or brown's bletchum. Is this a wild plant? Yes, it is. The only shrimp plants that I know are cultivated plants. 
Mm-hmm. And it's growing where? And it, it was just growing wild, and it just caught my eye. And um, the little bit of research that I've seen on the Internet is that it's um, used in Latin America as a tea given to um, stroke patients. So it just piqued my curiosity, and I was just wondering if you if you knew more about it. And you won't tell me where it was growing. You won't tell me what state you're in. You won't tell me what country oh. you're in. I'm in. I'm calling from Tampa, Florida. Okay, thank you. That helps a lot. That means we're talking <laughs> about a tropical plant. But it's not native. I know it's not a plant that I plant. would never see. Mm-hmm. Would mm-hmm. never have access to, because I live mm-hmm. too far north for that plant to ever grow. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what the distinction is about native and non-native plants. I mean, plantain isn't native. Apple trees aren't native. True, true. So I'm not sure what what good that does me at all. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Um, so uh, the little bit of research that I saw was that it was a, uh, used as a tea, and um, it was just cu- just curious and... Uh, but I, I do appreciate you and love listening to you and your stories. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Let us know if you use it with any stroke patients and what happens. <laughs> okay. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Dream blessings. Caller is 619. Hi. This is Jesse. Thank you for being here. You are okay. welcome, Jesse. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Um, I understand when the the callers act so surprised now, so pardon my pausing there. (laughs) So I've been having some problem with my my feet in terms of the skin. Um, They function well. I've noticed over the last couple of years that they feel like like they don't feel as much, almost like there's calluses all over the outsides of like especially the toes. And um, so they just, they haven't been like very sensitive, you know, to um, maybe to to touch so much. And um, now, um, maybe the last six months or so, they've developed what looked like a rash on the top. Yes, on the top, like mm, half of the foot on the top and the toes. And I thought it had started because of, I thought I stepped on a yellow jacket because I did have um, something like that where it was definitely swollen and everything. And so ever since then, but it seems like it was on the other foot as well, so those may not be related at all, the two of them. I've been walking in the grass a lot um, where oh, what are coyotes, turkeys walk through. So um, that could cause some exposure on the outside. And then also more recently, maybe the last couple of months, there's been like varicose vein type things and now, on my feet, yeah, and on my lower legs, a little bit of varicosing. And then, um, so on your really, 
on your feet, the yes. veins are swollen and ropey and droopy. Um, no, not so much on the feet. The legs are having those, but okay. on the feet now, the little teeny veins, like the I think they're capillaries. I'm not sure, but the little teeny ones, the whole um, like back of my heel portion, not the very back where the tendon is, but all there like half of my foot up. It's like the tiny little veins are like showing, like it's really inflamed. Like spider capillaries. Yes, yes. More than varicosities. Got it. What was that first word, varicosities? Spider varicosities. Oh, spider varicosities. Okay, okay. It looks like a little spider web. Yes. 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 Yeah. And and it's on the inside of the ankle as well and um, quite red. And, oh, my gosh, it's, it's very scary looking. I hear you. So <laughs> veins return the blood. The blood has been out and about doing its work, giving nourishment and everything else to everything that needs it in the body, and now it needs to go back to get more nourishment, more oxygen, and so on. And the pumping of the heart does not return that blood. So there are little gates in the veins that help it move up and it's not uncommon as we age for those gates to give way it can be more common in some family lines than in other family lines and i think it is in mine but those folks so you would know if your mom or your sister or your aunts or so on you know has similar kinds of things going on And if they do, then you can say, oh, gee, well, you know, this is something that happens in my family. And I talk about, um, in down there, I talk about hemorrhoids. And basically, the treatments for hemorrhoids are the same as the treatments for varicosities because it's basically the same thing going on. It's a vein that is not doing its job very well. Okay. It's also possible um, you're saying that they seem inflamed to you. Do your legs hurt? Uh, They are almost burning, but not quite. And this has just started recently? Um, Yes, in the last couple of days, this really intense, yes. And has it been getting worse over the past couple of days? I thought so because I really looked at them last night. And, of course, I've been up on my feet and, you know, moving about. But um, I don't sit down and rest often. And I'm I'm feeling like I if I elevate them a little, a little bit through the day, that that might be helpful. But I, I will check what um, down there says. That is an excellent idea. Okay. Because that, when you elevate them, that helps gravity bring that blood back, right? Yes. Yes. 
And so your veins are very thankful. They say, ah, somebody understands that we need help here. Yes. And I now my down there book. I'm especially sorry. if it runs in your family, then it's really important to take that little bit of time at the end of the day or whenever you can fit it in to get your legs up to lay on the floor and put your legs up on a couch or to lay by the wall and to put your legs up along the wall. Okay. And is that okay for them to be like straight up? Is that too much force of, you know, the weight of them coming down? I don't know. No, it's not too much. Okay. Okay. So, um, and I, my copy of Down There is a couple of weeks away from me. Can you tell me? So which, sorry. Um, Hazel? In, I know. Hazel is an excellent ally for dealing with okay. varicosities. Okay. And you can buy Witch Hazel at the drugstore, and you can apply it to your okay. to your, any place that is burning or hurting. Okay. And see if that offers you some relief. Okay, wonderful. And is is one of the infusions uh, more helpful for this? The infusions are not, strictly speaking, remedies. The infusions are for maintaining um, good minerals and abundant health so that when we have some alteration to our health. Um, We know that we are starting from a pretty good place, and we don't have to be too worried. I was kind of freaking out because there was a little advertisement for a thing that said, oh, you know, the most important thing to know if you're worried about uh, COVID-19, and that most important thing was don't drink soda pop. And And I thought to myself, Somebody has to be told not to drink soda pop? What? So certainly nettle has a reputation for restoring the veins to teenage res- resiliency. Whether or not that's true, I can't quite tell you, but um, it's one of the reasons why there's not just one nourishing herbal infusion, but a series of them that we rotate through so that we get the benefits from each of those different ones, each of the different infusions. Um, But altogether, what they're all doing for us is deeply mineralizing us and setting us up to be healthier. Yes. So I, so I don't like say, oh, you know, um, I'm going to yeah. stop drinking my nourishing herbal infusions because there's this thing going on. Um, I just continue to drink the nourishing herbal infusions no matter what's going on. Yes. Well, I always feel very good when I'm when I am drinking them. So yes, I will indeed. make sure that I. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, All right. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks you. for calling. Green blessings. Good night. Blessings to you. Bye-bye. Hello. Thank you, Susan, and um, I hope that you're enjoying this beautiful spring weather. (laughs) I certainly Um, am. Good. Wonderful. Um, I have a couple of uh, quick questions for you. One. Just a few days. The summer officially begins, you know. 
Oh, yeah. Wow. God. May Day, right? <laughs> Time May Day flies when you're having fun, right? The official beginning of summer. Say that again? May Day, May 1st, is the official beginning of summer. Really? Ah, oh, for some reason I kept thinking it's June 21st. But, well, yeah. June 21st is what? June 21st is the longest day, yes? Right, right. What happens the next day? Is the next day it's, the longest day? No. So you would start summer when the days start getting shorter? You're right. You're right. Yeah. I need to be outside more and <laughs> not behind a computer all day, every day. Yes. Yeah. Shakespeare wrote a play called A Midsummer's Night Dream, which takes place on June 21st because it is indeed midsummer. Mm. It is so true, and you are certainly not to blame, that modern people have distorted this because, as you say, they don't they are not outside. Right. right. And so it's just kind of a thing to them uh, rather than, um, well, gee, the earliest structures made by human beings were not made to house human beings. They were made so we would know when summer solstice and when winter solstice were because these are so important to our well-being and to our ability to live in nature. Mm. If we think summer is starting in the middle of June, then we're probably going to freeze to death that winter. Right. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, very good points. Um, one of my questions that's normally asked about health things, and I, I take as many of your classes as I can. I love the adaptogens class, the healthy knees class. I, I, I'm just so thankful for you. Okay. Um, and yes, I I hope to take a class in person. You're across the country, or I'm across the country. I'm hoping to ma- make that happen. It just seems like I've been trying so hard to be able to land a grow medicinal plants or flowers or do anything out in nature. And that was one of my odd questions that I had for you. I I remember you sharing the story of how you got your piece of property and the challenges that you overcome. And I just wondered if you had any words of wisdom for someone that's wanting to have a little piece of property and grow either food or herbal medicine or just anything to do with the land. Uh, And I've been working and saving my money and, it just seems like it's always uh, that carrot's like always two miles. Well, out where in front are you living now? <laughs> right now, I'm in uh, Reno, Nevada. I'm looking to move to Nevada City, California, about an hour and a half away. You're in a city. Yeah. And you live in an apartment. Yes. Mhm. And is it possible to have anything in boxes? Can you grow Possibly. something in a window box, for instance? They might they might do it now that they're not paying attention to everybody that much. So yes, I might right outside my door. I have some things that are growing. Um, but yes, you're right. So that's what I say is rather than looking to what you might get in the future, take a look at what you have right now. Okay. And what can you do with what you have right now? And if you don't have any place at all where you could even grow something in a box. Where are the weeds growing around you? Where is it said that we have to grow herbs? What's already growing? Mm 
Hmm. For yeah, one, right. I know that Mormon tea grows in Nevada. Yes. And that's a very important herb. In uh, It's ephedra, and it's used quite a lot in China. Hmm. Okay. So m- many people approach herbal medicine from what I would call a kind of top-down thing, which is um, I need an herb because I have a cough. I'm going to look up herbs that treat coughs. Okay, I have found an herb that treats a cough. Now I have to find the herb. Well, this can be very frustrating. Um, And as I said, to my mind, it's quite backwards. To my mind, the way to proceed is to say, I don't know what problems I might have, but I would like to know what grows around me and what's available to me. Hmm. And so by focusing in on the plants that are already around me, I begin to make relationships with plants that can help me. So rather than seeing myself as the creator and the generator of herbal medicines, I take what I believe is a more rightful position, which is the humble acceptor of what Mm. the earth is gifting to me. Yeah. I like that. It, it, whenever I uh, take a course from you or read something that you've shared and say, you know, like when I first started learning about stinging nettle, in my mind I would go, oh, stinging nettle, I'd really like to see you in person and, and alive instead of just ordering dried herbs. And I tell you, I, it wasn't a week later. I was walking on a trail that I've walked hundreds of times over the last 18 years, and I never saw a stinging nettle, and then there she was. And so that's a little... I don't want to call it a trick, but it's just neat that it's like, oh, I want to see more plantain, and then I'll see it everywhere, which is really exciting. And, and oh, marvelous. Uh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, thank you for that, and I will, and I get that. I do. I still yes. want to live on a farm somewhere, but yes. <laughs> hey, you will live on a farm somewhere, but meanwhile, don't put your life on hold. Okay. All right. Thank you. Get out there. Meet the plants that are already growing around you. It's Nevada. It's a desert. But that doesn't mean there aren't any plants. Mm, Right. Right? Yes. Yes. Thank you. All right. I'll make it quick with that question. Uh, um, I took your adaptogen class that I love, and I learned about cotinopsis roots. Mm -hmm. And you talked uh, – briefly you said something about – I hope that it might have been core – something else. I might get the names mixed up, but cottonopsis powder taking, or not taking, but eating it uh, for four days could help uh, people with IBS. Is that correct? Did I hear that right? Or maybe it was cor- I would cor-nops? have to go back to course myself and look. I don't keep yeah. all of that information in my head. I'm sorry. That's okay, far too no detailed to carry around. No worries. Okay. And then the last one, cellulite. Is there any hope for cellulite, especially someone who's been sitting on her butt for 17 years designing websites? And now I wish I was doing something else. But um, I have, you know, 
ridiculous. Well, I have been teasingly saying for almost 20 years that I would give a million dollars, not that I have a million dollars, to the person who creates software that turns the computer off after an hour and says, and I'm not turning back on again until you come back here with an elevated heartbeat. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. If we don't have that software, you're going to have to do that for yourself, aren't you? Right. You're going to have to say, I need to stop and take a walk. And you're going to have to figure out how that's going to happen. Are you going to set an alarm? And when that alarm goes off, no matter what you're doing, you will stop and get up and move around? Because the difficulty with sitting at the computer is that we say to ourselves, oh, I'll just do this. Oh, I'll just do this. Oh, I'll just do this. And before you know it, a long time has passed. Yeah. Yes, 14-hour days. Such a bad idea. So you can do those 14-hour days, but you have to get up every hour and move. Okay. Thank you. They did an experiment where they took healthy uh, college students and they put them on bed rest for two weeks. And they tracked their cardiovascular health for the next 50 years. And that two weeks of bed rest had repercussions for the rest of their lives. Oh, gosh. Okay. Get up and move. You don't have to go for a five-mile walk. Go to the bathroom. Go to the kitchen and get something to drink. But get up. I you can deserve do that. Thank it. You. You're worth it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You are welcome. Green blessings. Well, green blessings. Can I say I love you? And thank you sure. for everything you've done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Green blessings. Green blessings. Good night. 703 is next. 703. Hello? 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 Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, you can. Hi. Thank you. Thank you very much. I didn't believe it. It's my turn right now. I was just like... Aha, here we are. It's your turn. Wow. Yeah, it's my turn. I don't believe it. Um, so I called you a year ago. I we talked about my other symptoms. I had like a osteoporosis. I'm a 56 years old, but and I I didn't tell you the problem I have is I have a, a spring allergy asthma. I always get a cough, bronchitis. Um, but last year it was I was able to control it. But this year, from January in Virginia. I got bronchitis, and again, after uh, six weeks, it took me two weeks, three weeks to get healed. Then again, I got bronchitis, and then the worst thing happened in my life. I'm a healthcare worker. I'm recovering. Today is day 20, day 21. I'm recovering from COVID-19. I got that from my work. I um, So... I am recovering right now, but that problem gives me anxiety, sleepless. Uh, I cannot sleep good at night. I have anxiety. Uh, my cough did not um, disappear yet. I do have it. And chest congestion a lot less. 
but still when I'm coughing, it's, I, I feel like I got bronchitis from it. So I want to see what remedy you have for me. What can I do? So let me ask you this. Have mm-hmm. you been using herbs that strengthen your lungs? You know what the problem is? I didn't use the herb to strengthen my lungs, but I am using nettle infusion for, since I talked to you, I think a year ago, I'm using nettle infusion. I use uh, otter straw. Either I use nettle, for example, I use, um, one time I make um, nettle and I use it between 36 hours, 24 to 36, not even 48 hours. And then next time I make otter straw. And then next time, not consistently, but I make um, uh, red clover. Uh, mm-hmm. What? And linden? For my lungs. Linden? What? Linden. No. No, no. you see, linden is part of the rotation, and it is exceptionally good for the lungs. Yes. can also I, use I, mullen to strengthen the lungs, and that is a okay. wonderful herb for um, these times right now. Um, you know what? I started, I started eight, eight days ago. I told my family to order mullen for me online. Yes. They did it. And I'm drinking two tablespoons, two teaspoons every day. I make a tea. My family makes a tea for me because I'm like, I am out of quarantine, but I still I keep myself in the quarantine because I cough. Mm-hmm. Um, so they make for me a tea every day. My husband makes me and put it on the door and get the drink. And um, I do mullein tea. I do echinacea right now, but all of them loose leaf. I bought a loose leaf. And they make a tea for me, or I right now put a mask myself. So far as I know, mullein tea won't do you much good. Okay, I'll do drink mullein tea every day right now. The last eight days. As far as I know, mullein tea will not do you much good. Oh, so what should I do? Mullein infusion. Okay, mullein infusion. One ounce by weight of mullein in a quart of boiling water. Okay, I can do that. Like you make the nettle infusion, right? Yes, I make nettle infusion. When you make nettle infusion, you weigh the nettle out? You have a scale and you weigh it? Yes, one ounce. One ounce. That's how you make the mullein as well. Okay. Not a tea. So do you tea? Not tea, just the infusion. The infusion of mullein, and for best effect, it is good to mix it half and half with milk because milk is oh. a great healer of the lungs. Oh, so they tell you the truth, the last 20 days, I'm not much in a milk drinker, but the last 20 days I stop drinking, I stop any um, dairy. Um, so I thought maybe it's not good for my lung and my congestion. I had fever for... Um, four days, and the mm-hmm. fever went off because I drink a lot of echinacea tea, mullein tea, and then chamomile tea, and those teas, infusion constantly. Fever did the not go off because con- you drank echinacea tea, because echinacea tea is hardly effective at all. Oh, echinacea tea? It doesn't yeah. help? It's usually used as a tincture. Tincture? From the roots. There's hardly any okay. medicine of any kind in the leaves. So the tincture, I have to get it online. 
from Amazon, right? Well, if you have not made it previously, then I guess that is what you're left with. Yes, I never, I don't know how to make it even. I never did that, try it. Well, I have so a YouTube, I have, there's a YouTube of me making it, and you can follow along. And basically, you fill a jar one-third full of the dried root, add 100 proof vodka, and wait six weeks. That's what it takes to make a tincture. It's not really very hard, is it? Yeah. Okay. 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 okay so okay. That, that's you. how easy it is to do these things. And it's interesting to me how many people are now discovering that the best way to use herbs is not to wait until you desperately need something and then try to buy it, but to say, sometime in my life, I am probably going to need some echinacea tincture. I will make myself a quart of echinacea tincture so I have it on hand. In fact, since it's made from a dried root, I prefer for my echinacea tincture to be at least a year old before I start using it. Now, you can start using it at six weeks. You certainly can. But the longer it sits, the stronger and better it's going to be. Herbal medicines are not drugs that we can just go to the drugstore and buy. They're friends that we want to invite to live with us so that when we have need, they are there and available for us. So, yes, I'm sure you can buy some Echinacea tincture, and that's a very good idea to get some Echinacea Mm -hmm. tincture. If you feel that you still have active bacterial infection. Is that what you're saying? You think that there's still active bacterial infection? You know what? It might be because I'm still coughing, but my husband always tells me, you always have a cough. The last three months you have a cough. But right. maybe. I don't, think maybe that a, I don't think a cough is necessarily indicative unless it's... Um, There's a variety of things that might lead me to think that a cough was was showing me that something serious was going on in the lungs, right? Like if the person was coughing really, really hard and they weren't producing anything. It was a totally non-productive cough. Or if the person was coughing in a way that was, uh, we might call nervous, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of, you know. I do have that cough, too. I do have a nervous cough. Anytime I start talking... If I have a mask on my face, I all of a sudden I feel like something in my throat. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, but so what is it that you are concerned with right now that you're isolating yourself with? You know what? I heard when you get this virus, you two weeks. It's so a fourteen days passed, which was hard. But after 14 days, they said still you can pass it to the someone. So I have family member, my my kids. My husband, so it's still isolated. As far as we know, it is most passable in the two days before you have symptoms. It's all, so I do. The majority of people who are getting infected are getting infected from people who have no symptoms at all. If you have had Mm COVID-19 and you have spent two weeks in isolation, then I do not think that you are 
improving your health or the health of else to stay in isolation. Now, if it suits you and you like it and you want to do it, I don't want to take it away from you, but it's Mm -hmm. not that I know in any way medically needed or even medically sound. Oh, thank you, Fugon. But my question, can I get it again if I got it right now? We don't really know that. What we know is that between 50 and 90% of the people who get COVID-19 have few to no symptoms. People who get it and have symptoms usually create antibodies. And those antibodies are pretty powerful, as a matter of fact. Right now, they're the only known way to help anyone who has this. If you can, that's primarily what they're doing in Costa Rica is that they are harvesting antibodies from people who've had it and then giving it to the people who are the sickest. And they're getting excellent results with that. So they're going to do that. 50 to 90% of the people who test positive and don't Mm -hmm. have symptoms may not have a strong enough case to produce antibodies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it may be possible that these people could get it a second time. I suppose you've only ever had one cold in your life. Mm -hmm. Of course not. We can Mm -hmm. easily get coronaviruses several times. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is to be in such a state of good health Mm -hmm. that we Mm -hmm. get it. It's nothing more than what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And what it is is a pretty easily passed virus, but so, not if some people have been saying a killer virus or something that gets into your body and destroys your organs. These are all real distortions of what's going on. They come from fear. They don't come from knowledge, and yeah. they don't help any of us. Because yeah. I really had. So much fear the first uh, um, when I had the fever, I thought I'm gonna die. <laughs> I told my husband, Don't take me to the hospital, I'm gonna die. But no, no, it was just no, I was no, no, yeah, yeah. So far, so, the vast majority of the people who are actually dying are people who have already health threatening conditions. Mm hmm, mm hmm. Mine is it's my asthma. Over the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you think I should drink mullen infusion throughout the year? You know, any, like the same if way I you drink. are telling me that you are in a situation often where you think that your lungs are very vulnerable to yes. bronchitis, then mm-hmm. what I find is that drinking mullen, even as little as a cup of mullen infusion mixed half and half with milk on a daily basis for six weeks mm-hmm. will usually restore health to the lung tissues. doesn't have to be okay. every day. Mm-hmm. Usually mm-hmm. working with it for a while will um, provide what the lungs need, mm-hmm. and then you will know that plant, 
And should you come to a place or a time in your life where you need it again, your body will say, hey, do you remember that? Let's get some more of that. Okay. So at least once a year for six weeks, I'll go with Molin just to keep myself safe and that, the milk. To, the Mullen milk, exactly. And there's a YouTube about making Mullen milk. Oh, yes, I, I will go there. And thank you. And also, uh, can I ask you another question? Sure. Can, yeah. I, I I have this problem. I have anxiety problem. I feel like it's something I've been in my life a lot. Uh, all my life I had it. But this time after time with the COVID, one of the things is I was working as a healthcare worker. I had always anxiety. So the anxiety, sometimes I cannot sleep. What is the best thing I take for anxiety? Could you help me? My favorite herb for helping people who feel anxious is motherwort. Motherwort Motherwort. tincture. I had an apprentice who was anxious about being anxious. That's how anxious she was. And I suggested, Mm -hmm. I actually gave her a bottle of motherwort tincture, and I suggested that she carry it around with her in her pocket. Mm -hmm. And she found that if she was willing to take the motherwort any time she started feeling anxious, that very quickly she had less and less and less anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mine is most happen at night when I want to sleep. I want to turn off the light. You want to take motherwort at night? Is there some problem with that? There's no problem with it. Why would there be a problem with it? I'll do that. Thank you. You are welcome. I, I, I get it. Green yeah, thank you. I get it. Mm-hmm. Thanks. And uh, for a sleepless, so maybe relax me and make me asleep because uh, I have problem with sleep too. I hear you. You know, in my new book, Abundantly Well, I have um, double page spreads. And on one on the left-hand side page, it has, for instance, herbs for anxiety. And then on the right-hand page, drugs for anxiety. So you can make a side-by-side comparison. And um, there's also um, herbs for going to sleep as well as drugs for going to sleep. So you will find lists and a lot more information in Abundantly Well that um, will perhaps make it a little clearer for you how many choices there really are. What's the name of the book? Abundantly Well. Abundantly well. Thank you very much. I will. I have few of your books. I got it, but not this one. Not That's this it's one. my newest. Okay. Thank you. So Thanks. abundantly well. All right. Thank Green you, blessings. Susan. I love you. Thank you. Ah, uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes, and thanks to you too. Thanks. Okay, Catherine, green blessings. It looks like we have time for one or two more people. All right, Emily will be joining us in about five minutes. And currently I see 718 in the queue with their hand up. Hello, 718. Hey, hi, how are you? Doing well tonight, how about you? Good. What do you want to ask us? 
Exactly sure what I'm being asked here. You want something to drink that will give you parasites? That will be that will take care of the parasites. That will be um, that will Paras- kill the parasites. What parasites are we talking about? Chiggers, hookworm. Something in, in the mouth. Uh-huh. There are no parasites that live in your mouth. There are lice that live on your eyebrows. There are lice that live in your eyelashes. There are lice that live in your pubic hair. And there are lice that live in your hair. And those are parasites. There are chiggers that can get on your skin, but they're not really parasites. Scabies, however, is a parasite, and it's very, very itchy and starts in the webbing often between the toes and the fingers. There are a variety of intestinal parasites as well as liver flukes and so on that can be picked up. Hookworm, for instance, used to be very, very endemic throughout the south where there were outhouses and people were barefoot. And both human and animal feces can pass hookworm. And hookworm is a parasite. Um, there are a wide variety of parasites, but no parasites known that live in the mouth. <laughs> nourishing herbal infusions are nourishing. If we want something to get rid of something, then we want something poisonous. We want a killer, the opposite of nourishing. Could you translate for me, please? Talk about five nourishing herbal infusions that I use as my primary infusions. I rotate through them and I drink nourishing herbal infusion every day. Today I'm drinking red clover. Yesterday I drank oat straw. The day before that I drank linden. I actually drank linden both Saturday and Sunday because we had it for the work exchange. And then the day before that I drank uh, nettle. So I had nettle, linden, red clover, uh, oat straw, red clover, and then tomorrow I'll have comfrey, leaf. And those are the five major nourishing herbal infusions that I drink. Now, there are other nourishing herbal infusions. Tonight we've talked about mullein infusion. There's certainly chickweed infusion. People have made dandelion infusion, burdock infusion, astragalus infusion, hibiscus infusion. What we're looking for when we're drinking infusions is to have them replace non-nutritive drinks or worse, drinks that can actually push a hole in our health. So instead of drinking fruit juice, we're drinking nourishing herbal infusions. Instead of drinking soda pop, we're drinking nourishing herbal infusions. Instead of drinking water, we're drinking nourishing herbal infusions. If you want, in addition to drinking nourishing herbal infusions, to drink anything else, then my suggestions would be hot chocolate, tea, or coffee. 
You said for bacteria, echinacea is good, and for fungal. Uh, There's a fungus in the mouth. Is that what you're saying? The We have about 60 seconds before we have to say goodbye, and our guest is on. So if you could translate for me. Yeah, yeah. They tested for pathogus vulgarius, like a type of autoimmune disease. So they say that's in her mouth also, like all the way um, everywhere. That's what they, they say it is. So is there a way to get rid of they, that? Sorry, who is they? Is this medical doctors? Is this naturopaths? Chiropractors? Medical doctors. Medical doctors. A medical doctor is saying she has an autoimmune disease and there's a fungus in her mouth. Yeah. The herbs that are known as being most antifungal would be horsetail and golden seal. Salt water is also an antifungal. So any of those brewed up or salt mixed in with water and gargled can help remove funguses. So the horsetail and golden seal is also something that's gargled in the mouth? Correct. Mm -hmm. You don't swallow it. Correct. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your call. Green blessings. Call back next week so we can talk longer if you want to. And I want to introduce Emily Amara. Emily Amara is committed to bringing more beauty. Balance? Balance? No apprentice of mine has anything to do with balance. I hope she's not bringing balance anywhere. Balance is the step immediately preceding death. What a bad word. My goodness. I should stop this right here. Emily Amara is committed to bringing more beauty and vitality into your life. Screw balance. We're not doing balance with the wise woman tradition. You can't do balance in the wise woman tradition. So it just doesn't work because the wise woman tradition is about dynamic dis is about dynamic disequilibrium, which is the basis of life. Balance is leading to death. That's why the heroic tradition is so in favor of balance. So you've got to make a decision here, Emily. Are you going to be heroic and go for balance? Or are you going to be a wise woman and drop it? Emily focuses on wholeness and nurturing. She is a holistic esthetician, an herbalist, and an educator for eminence organic skin care. She's curating a spa in the middle of a forest this summer for an all-women's gathering called the Origins Gathering. She proudly identifies as a green witch and was initiated by Susan in 2016 as a green witch. Since her time with Susan, Emily has gone on to introduce hundreds of people to nourishing herbal infusions and has led apprenticeship programs herself. She continues to walk the plant path and practice her witchy ways out of her boutique apothecary Wild and Rooted in Los Angeles, California, where she resides with her wild child rescue. Welcome to the show, Emily. Hi, Susan. Willing to give up balance? I'm I'm laughing over here because I'm like, wow, this you're right, and I know better. And I've even told people there's no such thing as, you know, balancing your hormones, right? I've heard you talk about this. They go up, they go down, they go all around all the time, and there's no such thing. And it's, I'm going, oh, my gosh, it's just this habit that 
you know, I have embedded in my language, I guess. Right. So yes to vitality and no to balance. All right. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so yes. glad. <laughs> and, yes. Um, it's so good to hear your voice. And it's so good to hear your voice, too. Remind me of how long you stayed here when you were apprenticing. So, well, here's the thing is I was, you initiated me as Emily Wilson. That was my last name. Uh, okay. And I was there doing the because I looked to you, I couldn't find you. So yes, it's been a, I, a name change. I, That's okay. You're allowed to change your name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you were here for how long? For what program? I was I was doing the Green Goddess for two weeks in 2016. The Green Goddess is a one week program. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, I'll have to look at my. So did you come for the Green was... Goddess? Were you here with Yvette and Whitefeather? No, I was there with. Uh, there was five of us girls, and we were we called ourselves we're the here Black for a, Snake for a two-week live-in apprenticeship. Yes. All righty, that's not the Green Goddess Week. Right. Right. Okay. Just I wanted to be clear on on what our relationship was and what you had actually done and how much time you had actually spent here. So you were here for two weeks, and yes. and there were other ladies here with you. How wonderful! And um. Can one of the questions that you asked me to ask you was to ask you about what you learned while apprenticing here? Yeah, well, I thought it would be nice um, to just take a little trip down memory lane. I I know I was only there for two weeks, and I and I had a feeling I'm like she probably won't even remember me too much because I know so many apprentices of yours stay for months and months. But to be honest, two weeks time was a really um, a good amount of time for me. I got a lot out of the apprenticeship program. And I think that the number one thing, of course, I learned about plants, but I learned so much more about myself and um, really the boundary medicine. Uh, I'm a giver, you know, and it was really hard for me to notice when I was giving when I wasn't being asked. And I learned that uh, from you, you know, boundary medicine. I had never really kind of heard that concept before and really how to use my voice, you know. Um, and so these are all really valuable tools that I've, that I've taken, you know, into my own practice and just into my, my relationships, you know, healthy boundaries and giving from a place of overflow instead of, you know, burning the candle at both ends, which is what I usually always do. Um, another thing that I learned was, the food that I, that I was served there, that we ate together. We had so much reverence for this nourishment and how to cook my greens. I mean, it's changed my life, you know, and I've, I've taught so many other people about really cooking your greens down. And to this day, I think that the food that I had when I was at the Wise Woman Center was the best I've ever had. I felt nourished. I felt whole, you know, I ate so much. Um, and so, you know, just, you know, uh, the fairy area, learning, you know, more boundary medicine, having a little area on your land that was dedicated to the devas or the divas and not having any humans there. Um, all of these little things that I've kind of, you know, I, I picked them up and I've, and I've, uh, you know, really incorporated them into my lifestyle. I've made my own little talking stick and I've had some apprentices over and we had, um, you know, just the ritual of talking stick, allowing women to use their voice and, and having a space where other women can listen was also really powerful for me. I tend to be a talker. <laughs> you know, I have the gift of gab and I love to teach and talk. 
And so, you know, having to listen actively to the other women in circle was, was really profound for me. But I think that those, those are some of the things that I've learned, how, how to be resilient um, and, and how to sit with the plants and how to really listen and communicate with a plant ally. You know, one of the things you had us do was to sit for 10 minutes and breathe in and breathe out 10 days straight with a plant, communicate with the plant. And I'm still, you know, honing in on that kind of practice and being able to decipher what is my, you know, what is the plant saying, my intuition versus the mental chatter that I can get into. It's, it's, it's harder than, you know, maybe it's just everyone is so different in their psychic abilities or their uh, passiveness. And it kind of depends. Um, I can get pretty heady. So I'm still learning how to listen to the plants, but it's a, it's a gift and it'll never leave me. You know? what, yeah. an, what an excellent student you were. Those are fabulous <laughs> things that you have taken on and taken in and are sharing because you're seeing that sharing those things reaps three times the reward. Yes. Yes. And, you know, it was even something as simple, Susan, as um, washing and reusing plastic bags and only storing food in glass. You know, these are really simple things that I had not really ever heard about or incorporated, you know, and I was in my early thirties, mid, mid thirties at that time. And, and it's just the way of the wise woman. It's the way that I want to live, you know? And I, and so I, I feel good about that. You know, I feel good about reusing my plastic bags and storing my food in glass. It's, it's a very simple thing that anyone can do and it's very helpful. And so I teach people about that as much as I can. Most of my clients. Thank you. What, caused you to become an esthetician and tell us what an esthetician is (laughs) yes so an esthetician is basically a skincare specialist and I've always been the type of touchy-feely person and my grandmother was a beautician um, back in her day in the 30s and 40s and she did hair and nails and I feel like we have a very similar work ethic she loved people and she loved, you know, clients. And so I grew up with that, you know, um, with her in my life. And she would ask me to rub her feet, give her, you know, pedicures and stuff when I was a little girl. So, so I never felt um, afraid of touching anyone. I love to touch people. I was interested in beauty at a young age. So right out of high school, I became an esthetician. I was 20 years old. And um, I've kind of gone back and forth over the years. And after I got back from my apprenticeship, I think I had just gotten a job at a day spa when I was apprenticing with you. And slowly but surely, this whole kind of other world opened up because the industry of aesthetics, right, or just the beauty industry in general is so vast and you can do so many different things within that industry. Um, And I was in Sedona not that long ago and I met a reader and he said something that was really funny. He said, wow, you're an esthetician. He goes, that's a great cover for you. And, (laughs) you know, I I just, I just loved that. And I thought he's right because I, I do, I do so much more. I'm not just an esthetician, you know, I, I'm starting to talk to my clients more and more about herbalism and talk to them about 
lifestyle medicine, right, mind medicine, and all of these other things. And it's really, you know, just to say that I'm an esthetician definitely limits me. But when I, I feel, when I say I'm a witch, <laughs> which I can't always say maybe all the time to every single person, but it, it, it feels a lot more encompassing for me. I feel like there's a lot more freedom and space in there. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what unfolds. But as of now, I consider myself a holistic esthetician and an herbalist. Many, many years ago, there was a woman here from deep old Europe and giving mm-hmm. a workshop. And one of the things she did was she led us in a trance to connect to an ancestor who'd been a healer. And after we had done the trance, she ran around the circle and asked each woman to talk about what she had experienced. And one of the women said, well, I don't really want to talk about what I experienced. And she said, why not? She said, well, I didn't meet an ancestor who was a healer. She said, Mm -hmm. did nothing happen? She said, no, I met an ancestor, but she was a hairdresser. (laughs) And lit up and she said, oh, that's the most important healer we've had so far. Mm-hmm. And she said, what? She just went from house to house combing women's hair and doing their hair. It wasn't even like fancy. She would like braid it. It was just like really normal stuff. And she said, no, 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 you don't understand. She was the healer for that whole community. And the way she kept track of their health was by going to their houses and doing their hair. Mm-hmm. And by looking at their hair and doing their hair and being in their houses, she could tell what health things were happening with them, and cut them off at the pass. She said she wow. might have been, you know, a healer. She might have been a midwife, and that she wanted to stay in very close contact with those women by going on a regular basis to their houses to do their hair. Mm. So it's That's not beautiful. just a cover for you. It's been a cover for witchy women and healing women for a very long time. Very, very much so. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, I, you know, and I'm still, I, I wanted to tell you that you initiated me and did this beautiful ceremony for me and polished my toenail green. And I kept, not the same polish, but I kept that toenail green. Every time I, you know, went and got a pedicure, I, I asked them to continue the green color on my toe for nine months. I kept it for nine months. And I felt really, um, really strongly about becoming a witch, you know, there. <laughs> Good for you. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so important. You know, Mary Daly was once asked, wonderful feminist theologian, no longer with us. Oh, we miss you, Mary. And she was once, once asked, what's the most important thing for women to do? And she said, we must all reclaim the words that are used against us. And those right. words are bitch, witch, slut, and dyke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we have claimed for ourselves, I am a bitch, I am a witch, I am a slut, I am a dyke, then and only then do we step out of being controlled by the powers that be. That's right. So, yeah, you've taken a Good stand on which, and uh, yes. I'm sure you're working on the others as well. And uh, as we do that, then, of course, um, not only do we claim that power, but we sh- silence that inner voice that looks at some other woman and says, what a bitch, what a slut. Right. Right, because we don't want to do that. 
Right. Right. I love the movement that said, if you want girls to grow up to be bosses, you have to step, stop telling them they're bossy. Mm. Right. Right. How often do we tell little girls, oh, don't be so bossy? Right. So right there, we're telling them don't grow up to be the boss. And and that's this whole, this whole conditioning that we have in society, which is partly why I wanted to change my name. Um, Wilson is a very common last name. And my dad, of course, was like, what do you, you know, why did you change it? It's not a legal change, but it was part of me reclaiming myself. Um, somewhat of a stage name, I guess you could say, but the name Amara just came to me. And it was like very, very uh, powerful and strong. I didn't even know what it meant. I had never heard it before. I thought that was going to be my daughter's name at the time because I um, was possibly going to conceive a child uh, around that time. And it's just part of this, you know, my ancestral healing and, uh, you know, just back to the matriarchy. I really just wanted to make a space for for myself and for whatever growth needs to happen for myself. And and I feel like it it has. It's helped me a lot. It's been a lot of fun. All right. I thought Amara meant something like um, here in love. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different association, associations and definitions for the name depending on the culture, but what I, when I you know, looked it up online, it was saying it's associated with everlasting, it's associated with grace, and then, of course, it's also associated with bitter, like, you know, kind of a, a spinoff of amore, amare, amoro, uh-huh. so I thought, well, that's perfect. <laughs> Interesting. Graceful, bitter, it's okay. nice. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So, tell us about the spa that you're going to create in the forest. Yes, yes. I um, I had the opportunity to attend this women's gathering last year. It's called the Origins Gathering, and it is. I'm not exactly sure the name of the forest. It's in near Camptonville, California, up in Northern California. And it was a fascinating experience where it's all women, all female, and we literally come together and we live as a village for an entire week, completely off-grid and self-sustaining. Everyone brings their own utensils. We have morning meetings. And then the day breaks up into uh, workshops and people get to learn ancestral skills and ancient wisdom, uh, survival skills, um, you know, fire from friction, making shoes. I mean, all of these forgotten that we're now, some of us are really coming back to. And um, I've been asked to come back this time. I, they have a little spa there that they set up. And the founders, uh, Gaia and Shira, had asked me to come back and actually curate that spa this time. So I'm super excited. Shout out to Mountain Rose Herbs because, of course, they, they generously sponsored me and sent some uh, body products to use and things like that. But it's this beautiful spa that I've named Senses. And it's just this outdoor oasis next to the, you know, in the pine and the Douglas fir trees, there's an outdoor shower. And then we have treatment rooms set up. So I'll be offering my kind of farm to facial and uh, other, there'll be massage therapists there. There'll be, you know, different kinds of healers and intuitive readers and uh, Reiki and all of this. And, um, it's just a lovely, lovely experience. I highly, highly recommend it. We were going to meet over the full moon 
4th of July this year, but due to what's going on, we have pushed our dates to September 3rd through the 7th, but tickets are still available. If there's any women out there that are feeling really called to just get back to themselves, it's a really neat, unique experience, and it's very very much like Spirit Weavers, except it's very intimate. It's very small, and that's, that's why they, they, they called it Origins. They really believe in keeping it small and, um, and intimate. So I'm looking forward to doing that um, in September. You know, it's going to be really lovely to connect again after being so disconnected from everyone, and hopefully, hopefully, um, oh my gosh, it'll happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are also a representative for a line of organic skincare products. Is that right? Yes, I just um, I just got this um, position. I, I have. I blame my Aquarius rising. I, I love to fly around and very free spirited. And I've always kind of had a lot of different things going on at once. It's where I feel comfortable and I, and I thrive with several different projects. And so I was asked to become the Los Angeles uh, trainer for Eminence Organic Skincare. And it's really lovely for me because I get to mix my love of herbs and beauty, right? So this is the perfect position for me because I, um, I'll basically, when we're allowed to open back up, um, I'll travel around. I travel around to different spas and I get to teach the estheticians about the plants and the products and kind of how to use them. It's an organic skincare company that I've been working with for the last six years. They have integrity. They plant a tree for every product sold, which is really amazing. And they have a a foundation where they feed kids with cancer, fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, they have already donated a bunch of skincare to all of the nurses on the front lines who are getting these indentations from their masks on their faces and things like that. So, um, you know, the company still hasn't laid anyone off and we're moving forward being super generous and helping all of our spa partners uh, through this time. But, you know, I love being hands-on and, and doing what I do, but I have to be honest because I watched my grandmother do it until she was, you know, very, you know, much older, but it takes a toll on our bodies, you know, doing this kind of work that we do. And so to have a, another avenue where I can, you know, simply d- teach and discuss my love of what I've been doing, you know, um, I think that's going to be great. And one of the things that they are really famous for is using um, uh, hung- uh, uh, Hungarian paprika on the skin. And so, you know, they just call it, um, a lot of estheticians just know it as a stimulant, but I like to go and say, it's a rubefacient, you know, it makes your skin <laughs> ruby. Yeah. And so I bring, you know, I'm not just an esthetician now. I, I, I kind of put my herbalist hat on, my green witch hat on, and then I get to talk about, you know, paprika in that way and get people excited about it. Because a lot of people don't even understand what, what that is and how good that circulation topically, you know, can be for your skin. So it's really a cool, it's really cool. And I, even when I do my farm to facials with my clients here at my, in my home, um, you know, I'll put a little cacao powder with some honey and put that on the face. And that's a really great stimulating facial as well. And they have this whole technique where, you know, we, we really massage the muscles, you know, so that no fillers needed, no, you know, surgeries needed. It's just all, natural and it's really it really works i i, I can tell you because i use all of their products so. <laughs> one of the one of the problems that i have with buying any products is the vast majority of them contain essential oils which i will not use at all right yes 
that's correct. They do. Um, yep, you're right. And I, there are some uh, products with essential oils. I became very turned off uh, with essential oils after learning about them more from you as well. And I think that they're just really overused. They're completely volatile, you know. Um, so they, what they do is they use a lot of fruit juice, um, and there are some essential oils, but not necessarily in all of their products. Um, although I'm not a cosmetic chemist and I can't really say I'm not, you know, in the, in the lab with them. Um, there are some essential oils in some of their products. So yes. Well, but if there's essential oil in it, it has to be listed in the ingredients. You don't need to go in the lab. I don't need to go in the right. lab. I should be able to look at the product and see what the ingredients are and tell whether or not there's essential oil in it. Yes. And if you're you educating can, you for them, surely you should be able to do the same thing, yes? You, well, yes. I mean, I, mean, I to go into the lab. position and there's two, 200 products, so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And you do a facial drumming? Can you tell us about that? Uh, the, yeah, the shamanic drumming. So I, I started offering a facial called the shamanic facial, and basically um, it's really cool. There's a tarot deck from Sarah Baldwin called the Healing Herbal Deck. And I start my clients off with, uh, with a tarot pull. So they pull a card, and we call in that plant spirit. It's all plants. And we call in that plant spirit into the facial. And then I would, you know, um, put my hands on the client and operate uh, like I normally would, a normal facial. But then while they're masking, we kind of go into a little meditation time. This is a, a longer facial than I usually offer and I get out the buffalo drum, and I drum my clients uh, for a good, you know, 10, 15 minutes while they're masking. So they get to go on a little journey with the plant spirit. And usually if I have uh, whatever plant they pull, maybe they, have ro- they pull rose, and I have some rose-infused honey, then I'll incorporate that into their facial. Um, but, you know, I love, I'm just very creative, and when I discovered the drum. I have a very good friend named Miranda Rondell, who is an amazing frame drum artist who studied with Lane Redman. And she one day at a festival years ago just gave me permission to play the drum and sing. And I had never even picked up a drum. And for whatever reason, the drum really resonates with me. And I've taken a workshop with um, my friend Santi Paro, and I've birthed my own drum. And I've made my own buffalo drum. Um, and I, I use it as medicine. I think the vibrations are really soothing, and a lot of people really like it. I just say it's like drum therapy, you know. Um, I don't know anyone that's doing this type of work, but, I, again, I love it so much that I'm sharing it with other estheticians and other people, you know, that if, if they want to start incorporating actually drumming the person instead of just drumming for the music, um, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's so soothing. But it can also bring stuff up for people, <laughs> you know. I mean, the, the sound is very primal. So uh, it definitely can bring stuff up for people. But I think that's, that's the point, right? It, it shakes up the energy, and it's really, it's really good. So, yeah, it reminds me of my friend, Mary Elizabeth Wakefield in New York City, who does um, acupuncture facials and mm-hmm. tuning fork facials. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So how can people get in touch with you? We're getting toward the end of our time together. It has gone so fast, Emily. I'm so uh, enjoying speaking with you. But let's be sure that people know how they can get in touch with you. 
Sure, yeah. The website, my website is uh, wild, letter N, rooted.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, wild, letter N, rooted, uh, as well as people want to check me out there. And I'm just posting mostly about a lot of plants and all of my experiments lately and beauty and, and care. So I'd love to hear from someone or anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, over the uh, winter, um, I did a, a short little um, video course on skincare. And Monica Jean and I had a great time smearing our faces with yogurt and honey and turmeric Yum. and powder mm-hmm. and green tea. And wow, you know, all different things, cucumbers and uh, we just, you know, emptied out the refrigerator and put it on our faces. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, you know, it's the largest organ of your body. You got to feed it. <laughs> got to feed it. Exactly. So um, as we come to the end here, would you share with us one of your lifelong goals? My One of my lifelong goals is to live on a small farm and have continue apprenticing, have, a, have apprenticeship programs available, and to be a mother. I really want to start a family. I would like to be sustainable and move out of the city of Los Angeles at some point and slow down. <laughs> that is one of my goals, to slow <laughs> down, Susan. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, hopefully that is one of the things that we are being gifted with. Yeah. Ordinary times, hopefully, are showing people that slowing down can be a lot of fun. Yes. And rewarding, and that uh, we don't have to uh, be galloping around uh, faster and faster and faster in order to feel that we are worthwhile. Yes, I agree. Indeed, it is a gift. It truly is. So, as we come to the last minute, I ask you, what would you like to leave in the hearts and the minds of everybody who's been listening to you tonight, Emily Amara. Mm, Continue to use your voice. Use your voice. Definitely use your voice. This is not a time to be afraid, but it's a time to be still and grounded. Use your voice and thrive. Use your voice and thrive. And feed your skin. Mm-hmm. It's an absolutely yes. huge part of you, and it really defines you in a way that nothing else does. Mm-hmm. So thank you for helping us to remember that and telling us about uh, your family history in that. That's, that is... Um, something I think that many women long for is a kind of, you know, some family history, some family line. And mm-hmm. um, I think that they take great courage uh, from hearing you. I actually just read a story about a family line of hairdressers. It was quite a fascinating story um, because they lived in Africa and they were talking about the different hairstyles and how they were done. It was really um, something I had never really thought about at all. So mm. thank you, Emily Amara at Wild N N kept the letter N mm-hmm. rooted mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. helping to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place 
as people's mm-hmm. medicine, and thank you for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. The threads that you are adding to this cloak are beautiful and vibrant and so appreciated. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Love to you. Dream blessings. Dream Love blessings to everyone. And good night to everyone. Good night, Catherine. Good night, Justine. Good night, Emily. Good night. Good night.